0: From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam.
1: And welcome to Sports Info UM. This is Daryl Oliver. I'm with Sam Sward. Sam, how's it going?
2: Man, it's going good. Uh, I mean, I couldn't be happier. Uh, Great game last night. Uh, to cap off the a great football season, man. So uh, just just excited. Can't wait to talk about it.
1: Man, I can't wait to talk about it, too. But, Sam, you know, I'm not sure, was it somebody didn't pay the light bill last night or did san francisco tamper with the lights in in new orleans
2: well you know a lot of stuff happens in new orleans man so That's it, true. It, it, it's tough it could have been somebody on bourbon street it could have been somebody just playing a, a cruel joke but uh i i tell you what whoever it was uh in in whatever it did it, it lit a fire under the san francisco 49ers because they came out like uh like they were possessed like they were trying to um they were playing for their lives and uh they turned to what what looked like it was going to be a laugh,er into a, a very tight uh, contest.
1: And, and that's for sure, Sam. And you know, and um, and, I, and I really think, in my heart of hearts, this is it's this is a little it's a little shady going on here. Something's a little shady going on here, and it just don't smell right. I haven't put my finger on it yet, and the NFL is probably going to take about a month and a half to tell us what really happened and then they're gonna say well a squirrel ran up into a transfuser box and um and it took out the lights in the stadium you know come on man i'll
2: tell you what it it was it was the highest rated game in super bowl history uh from the from the halftime show to the national anthem i I just tell you it was just a it, it was a nice show and uh The two teams, they didn't disappoint. Uh, The referees, you know, uh, there's going to be people saying, hey, did they let them play a little too much? Should they have called the penalty here? Should they have called the penalty there? Uh, In my opinion, I I think they did a pretty good job of just letting the guys decide the game on the field. And uh, that's what happened, man. The game was decided on the field.
1: Yeah, the game was decided on the field. But I I really think a little bit of... At one point, I think this game got out of hand a little bit. Um, I don't think the referees called a game nearly as close as they should have. Um, I think they let some things get away with, let's let some players get away with some things they shouldn't have. When it, when a guy pushes a referee, he doesn't he doesn't stay around. To see the next play, he's not on the field for the next play. He's ejected from the game. That's that's just that's just a part of football. Don't matter what level you're playing, you put your hands on a referee, you're ejected from the game. And, and, and it won't surprise me if the NFL uh, fires this young man for pushing the NFL, pushing the referee when the referee didn't throw a penalty when he um, when he pushed him at the time. Well,
2: you know, there's a such thing as uh, accidental contact, and uh... that wasn't it. I, I don't really feel that he deliberately just tried to shove, shove the referee with the uh, intent to do bodily harm. You know, hey, in, the, in the heat of the battle, things happen, especially when guys uh, are, are going after one another. And uh, that w- there was a point in time in that game where it looked like it was getting out of hand. But I think the referees did a good job of sorting through everything because you would hate to lose a key member of your team uh, in, a, in such a senseless uh Incident, So I think the referees did a good job of sorting through everything and uh, keeping, keeping the key guys in the game and, and allowing them to decide the, um, the outcome of the game.
1: You know, man, I think we really have to maintain our composure, especially when it's the biggest event of our life. We really have to maintain our composure. And when you jump up and don't know who you're pushing, it could have been one of your teammates. It could have been a coach. It could have been a referee. It could have been President Obama out there. It didn't matter. He just was pushing somebody. And just so happens, it was a referee. And when you when you're that out of control, I don't. I think you deserve a penalty for, if nothing else, just being that out of control.
2: You know, I think I think the referees could have uh, called personal fouls on both sides, and that would have got their attention, and then that way it would have been offset. And just just letting you guys know that hey, we are in, in control of things. Uh, but uh, hey, man. If if was a fifth, we'll all be drunk. I'm more interested in the action that was on the field. You know, uh, just a great ball game. The um, Baltimore Ravens they came out. Uh, Joe Flacco, uh, is he elite? Uh, you know that that's what a lot of people want to know. Is he an elite quarterback? Well, I don't care if he's if he's an average quarterback, if he's an elite quarterback. The one thing I know this morning. Or today is that Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, not only a Super Bowl winning quarterback, he's a Super Bowl winning MVP quarterback. Uh, did a great job yesterday. Did enough to um, lead his team to victory. And uh, regardless of his elite status, that's something that can never be taken away from him.
1: Well, that's for sure. And, and you know, I think when when you put up the kind of stats that Joe Flacco put up this season, especially in the playoffs. I mean eleven touchdowns, no interceptions throughout the playoffs. Hey, you beat Peyton Manning to get there. Come on, man. Um they they, they beat um they, they beat the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, uh, Tom Brady. You know, he did his thing to put himself in that category as being the elite Quarterback, and I think we might have to drop one of those elite quarterbacks, maybe Ben Roethlisberger, and put when you say elite When you say elite,
2: what are you talking about? Are you talking top five? Are you talking top ten? Are you talking top fifteen? You know, when, when I say elite, I'm thinking maybe the top five guys. Uh, you know, when you get in the top tens, you know that that's a third of the. Uh, the uh, the league pretty much. So uh, are you saying he's in the top third of the league? He's in the top half? I mean yeah, I, I think you kinda do a disservice to being an elite, man. I, I, I mean I, so what is he? Is he top five?
1: I say, I say, he is in the top five. Okay, so name the five guys that name the top five
2: quarterbacks. Because you got Aaron Aaron Rodgers, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Peyton Manning, you got Tom Brady, you got Eli, big game Eli, you got Drew Brees, uh, you got a bunch of young guys who's up and coming, man. So uh, I I, I don't know if Flacco is in that top five quarterback. Is he a top ten guy? Is he a top twelve guy? To me, at the end of the day, it don't really matter. I think he's a great fit for the system that they run in Baltimore, and, and I think he should be re- rewarded handsomely in his contract negotiations. Uh, it's up to him and his agents to try to get as much money as possible out of ownership, and um, it's, it's it's only going to help his cause that he won a Super Bowl. He had a great playoff run. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, normally the guy who gets paid the most money is uh, the next man up for contract.
1: Well, you know, um, I, I I think it's no doubt that that he's getting ready to get the same kind of money that uh, that Drew Brees got. He has to probably get at least sixty million guaranteed and a hundred million dollar contract. You know, I don't I don't see where where he can't be in that same category. If it's not sixty, it's going to be fifty eight million. You know, if if Megatron can get forty eight million guaranteed, I think this man deserves to get fifty million but guaranteed. But, th-
2: but just because you make a lot of money, does, does that make you a leak?
1: No, I'm gonna I'm say this though. I think when we start looking at some of these elite quarterbacks, like Ben Roethlisberger, man, I'm telling you, he's not—he's—he hasn't shown us elite in a while now. And I say this the same thing about Peyton Manning; he hasn't shown us elite in a while. So I think some of those people have to come down from that elite level, and yeah. maybe somebody else hey. replace them at that level in, in that position.
2: I don't know what your definition of elite is, but uh, the job Peyton Manning did this year, uh, sacking in the MVP race and. He, he did an outstanding job, man. And, and I guarantee you any general manager, uh, any owner in football will uh, much rather have Peyton Manning than Joe Flacco leading their team.
1: And, I'm not so and, and sure about with, that right And that's now. with
2: him just winning the Super Bowl. I and promise I'm, I'm, you that.
1: I, I promise you I am not so sure about that, Sam. I'm, I'm really not so sure about that. And and, and and don't get me wrong, I'm a Peyton Manning fan, and I applaud him for um for uh, his, his MVP work that he put in this year. But when we look at Peyton Manning, you know his last game that the last game he played this year we think about the interception that he threw we we think about he didn't take his team to the level that a lot of people expected him to, and he got beat by drew and he got beat by by um Joe Flacco. not to say that puts him at a higher level than And Peyton Manning, but I'm telling you, I don't see. I would much rather
2: have Peyton Manning than Joe Flacco, man. You can sell this. You can sell this uh, dream to somebody else, Uh, but but I'm not buying this dream. Joe Flacco had a great. He had a great playoff series, but Joe Flacco is nowhere near the level of Peyton Manning uh, when it comes to being a quarterback in the National Football League. I'm sorry.
1: If we were starting a team today. I would I'd take, take a
2: Peyton Manning that that I'm not sure about over a Joe Flacco that just won a Super Bowl MVP. I'm sorry,
1: I, I'd have to disagree, man. You know, and I, and the reason I say I'm telling you Peyton Manning is he's still one lick away from from who knows what, and we know Peyton can't have no more than two two years. Maybe three years left in his in his in his career.
2: Hey man, they're all, we're all one hit away. They're all one hit away from uh, being done. But uh, hey, at the end of the day, you can't take anything away from Joe Flacco and the job he did in this. Uh, in this postseason, uh, he he was uh, he was outstanding. Uh, like you said, eleven touchdowns, no interceptions, led his team to a Super Bowl. Um, hey, last night, he uh twenty-two or thirty-three, two hundred eighty-seven yards, three touchdowns, all came in the first half. Uh, he did everything that you expected your quarterback. But uh, me personally, I'm not taking him over Peyton Manning. He is the Super Bowl winning quarterback uh congratulations to joe flacco congratulations to the baltimore ravens organization uh just, just some other guys to to me that uh that performance that just really stood out you know uh i look at a guy like anquan Bowden, uh uh to me he, he just uh he signifies toughness especially from the wide receiver spot he's willing to go across the middle he's uh He he makes a tough catch uh, in traffic. Uh, He'll stick his nose in there. He'll block linebackers. Uh, And, man, you're talking about a guy that just played his heart out last night, made some big plays on 30 inches. He came up with one of the biggest plays of the game. Just the guys wrapped all over him, did a great job of securing the catch and uh, getting the first down for his team.
1: You know, man, speaking of Anquan Boulder, you know, I, I was a football coach, a high school football coach here in Florida. And I saw this young man win Mr. Football and Mr. Basketball and win the 100 meters in track and field in the state of Florida, man. You're talking about a superior athlete, went to Florida State as a quarterback and never played quarterback. I mean, he may have played just a very little bit, but he turned into one a, an outstanding wide receiver, man. Uh, I praise for this young man, and I'm telling you, you know, he, he left Larry Fitzgerald to say because he wanted to be his own star he wanted to be the number 1 receiver on his team he didn't you know, want to he, share he that wanted, spotlight. he wanted
2: to be, he wanted to be paid like a number 1 guy and uh he did. and, he and got uh, it. you know you know he mentioned that he didn't really enjoy the first super bowl and he told his teammates the one thing that uh He would recommend us to enjoy the moment, enjoy the process. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info, UM on the Voice of America Network. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about this great Super Bowl game that took place last night between the Baltimore Ravens and San Francisco 49ers. We'll be right back after the break.
3: 1 P.M. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? channel. We support Hitters your internet flagship station for sports
0: voice america sports you're tuned in to sports info um with daryl and sam call us today at 888-346-9144 that's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoun3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: And hey, welcome back to Sports Info UN. You, uh, you know, Sam, man, you know, I, I look at some of the things that, that really turn the tides of a football game. And I think turnovers was a, was a big thing in this game, man. You know, Kaepernick threw an interception. LaMichael James had a fumble. Um, Ray Rice had a fumble, but it really didn't. And it did affect the, the game at one point. But I think the, the, the LaMichael James fumble really has a, leaves a bad taste in my mouth because San Francisco 49ers has the leading rush in the history of the San Francisco 49ers on their team. And we got a rookie out there running the ball in the Super Bowl? Man, nobody should to have touched the ball in the run game except Frank Gore.
2: I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, the fumble, was, I agree that the fumble was 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 a terrible fumble. Uh, the 49ers were driving, had some momentum going. Uh, Michael James has done a great job of being a change of pace back. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I like what Frank Gore said, man. He said, our coach called the good game. Uh, would I have liked to touch the ball more? He said, uh, everyone on the team would have liked to have more opportunities, but, uh, it's a team game. I'm not second guessing my coach. And, uh, you know, everybody gave their best effort. And, uh, I just really like the professionalism that he used, uh, in, in that situation. And, but hey, man, uh, you, you hate to see turnovers and, uh, LaMichael James is a guy that, uh, that had, that has had some fumble problems, but obviously his team trusted him to give him the ball. And, uh, he didn't do a good job of holding on to the football. And, uh, it, it was a very costly turnover because his team was, uh, they were in. In at least field goal range where they would have gotten at least three points out of the situation. And, uh, it, it was a 14 point turnaround because his team fumbled the ball and the Baltimore Ravens, uh, drove down the field and scored a touchdown. Uh, you know, turnovers and turnovers is, uh, is never good in, uh, in, in big games. And, uh, uh, another, uh, point, uh, another play in the game that really stands out in my mind is the play before halftime when, uh, Jacoby, uh, Jacoby Jones uh, caught a 56-yard touchdown strike from Flacco. Uh, the defensive back, uh, the safety, did a terrible job of uh, biting on the, um, the move from the outside receiver, and uh, Jones did a great job of making the catch, but not only making the catch, realizing that that he wasn't touched and getting up off the ground and uh, running it in for a touchdown.
1: Yep, and you know, um, An- Anquan Bolden's move <laughs> on the inside Really was made the made the safety come up and bite, and, you know, and he was having such a fantastic game. He, if anyone's going to get the double coverage or get get the extra attention, it was going to be Anquan Boldin last night for the Ravens, and and that's what opened that up. You know, it was a lot of things happening in that game last night, man. A lot of records were set. You know, we had um, two receivers that go for over 100 yards for the same team first time that's ever happened in a Super Bowl. Lift the 100 yard back, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know, um, Kaepernick and the San Francisco 49ers had over 100 yards more than the Ravens had and won the game. That's the first time that's ever happened in a Super Bowl as well.
2: But when you give up big plays, man, it's hard to overcome big plays. Uh, uh, the Jacoby Jones 56-yard touchdown uh, reception and then coming out of halftime, man, he electrified the uh, the whole stadium. Maybe he had something to do with the power going out with his 108-yard kickoff return uh, for a touchdown that to, um, to really put his team up 28-6. to And uh, at that point in time, I thought the game was going to become a laugher. And then all of a sudden the lights go out and uh, – you know we're sitting for 30 to 40 minutes and the 49ers get new life man and uh from that from that point on in the game it, to me that's when the 49ers uh were were the best team on, on were the best team on the field they just uh came up a little short and uh I I I really tell you this Colin Kaepernick uh, I feel that this young man uh showed the world last night that he's here to stay uh Man, he made some throws that were just outstanding throws, and uh, he has a cannon for an arm. And uh, he just showed, man, that he's a true dual threat quarterback that can run the ball and and he can sit back and he can read coverages and put the ball in in, in
1: tight windows. You know, I think we're going to see more of a Colin Kaepernick throwing the ball, pretty much like we saw last night. We're not going to see this young man running the ball like we saw Robert Griffin running the ball. Um, This past season. And I really think that Baltimore may have shown the NFL how to handle this um, this running quarterback offense that San Francisco has right now. And a lot of these NFL teams are trying to implement it to oh, their offense.
2: I mean, what what blueprint did they show them? Gore had 110 yards. He had 62 on seven carries. If anything, uh, Come on, Sam. I, I, I would have liked to see them, saw them in, a little, in the pistol a little bit more. But when he averages close to nine yards a carry, man, I mean, what what's the blueprint? The, the run your end up the field and allow Frank Gore to get six, six yards a carry? Uh, I mean, Kaepernick showed that when stuff breaks down uh, – He's more than willing to run the ball, and, uh, and he's, he's going to get you nice chunks of yards. Uh, I mean, I, I, I want to see what blueprint that they showed him, man. I want I to see it. When, when,
1: you, when, when this young man has ran for 181 yards and they hold him to 60 yards, yeah, they didn't hey, show us
2: something. On, on seven opportunities, man. That's nine yards to carry. Who wouldn't take nine man, yards to carry? Tell me.
1: No, no one, no one would. Everyone would. But I'm trying to tell you when this young man has ran for 106, 181 yards in the playoffs. And you're telling us they didn't show us something no. last night? And I'm going to tell you something else too. A lot of times when he faked the handoff, they were putting a helmet on him. And, and, and I'm wondering now, are referees going to allow this to happen? Are they going to allow you to hit these quarterbacks after they fake it or when they hand it off? It it,
2: it, it really wasn't a hit that, hey, I'm taking you to the ground. It's a maybe maybe a little, hey, I'm here. And you know what? He did a great job, but the one thing I like about the young man is he did a great job of taking what was there. He, he, he read the zone read exactly how it was supposed to be read. He gave, he handed the ball off to the running back. He didn't get greedy. I mean, he did a great job. He, he, he took. What the defense gave him. And, uh, he, he did a great job of doing that. And, uh, you know, Frank Gore, Frank Gore had 19 carries, 110 yards and a touchdown. With me. I, I'm telling you, you're over five, close to six yards to carry. Uh, so. Again, what blueprint was that? If, if anything, the 49ers had some missed opportunities, but hey, at the end of the day, you can't take anything away from the Baltimore Ravens. They came up with the two turnovers. They came up with the big pass play in the passing game and they came up with a special teams touchdown. And, and, and those things are hard to overcome in a big ball game, but, uh, I don't really see them, uh, showing, showing, uh, defensive coordinators of how to stop the young man. I don't see that one.
1: I'll say it again, Sam. He ran for 181 yards. In a lot of those runs. Yeah, on
2: about 18 or 20 carries, man. If he And and, here he goes.
1: That's what I'm trying to tell you right now. He didn't have 18 or 20 carries. They can't afford to run him 18 or 20 times a game. And there's no way he would have survived running 18 or 20 times last night. And I'm telling you right he, now, he, he's he, didn't not take
2: go- any, he didn't take any big shots last night. Man. No, he didn't. I, no, he didn't. I, 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 I can't I sit here. It. I'm not going to sit here it. and get the Baltimore Ravens more credit than they deserve. I don't feel they did anything to to, to prevent this young man. This exactly. young man had an outstanding game in my mind, man. He had a
1: good game. He had a very good game. It was one <coughs> place, Sam, Sam, that guy Pollard came up and, and, uh, he had, he had an opportunity to really lay one on. Kaepernick, but he missed. All right, he he really, he literally missed. I'm telling you now, man. If this guy, if that guy, Pollard hit him like he hit Ripley two weeks before, I'm, I'm serious, man. These, these these running quarterbacks will be extinct real quick. And 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 Pollard King, and Kaepernick wasn't in a sliding position. He had his head ducked down, ready to take a lick. Pollard just missed. And all I'm saying, man, it's is that because
2: closed his eyes and he right. didn't have a Patriot uniform on. Hey, maybe, Patriot maybe that's booklet.
1: what it was. Maybe that's what it was. But I'll say this: I, I just think we're we're not gonna see him run 18, 20 times a game. Probably never, ever
2: again. What What is your thoughts on the uh on the last drive? You know, the 49ers got the ball with about three and a half, four minutes to go. They're driving down the field. They're in the red zone uh that that's when i would have really liked to see them go back to the pistol and uh get gore uh, a little bit more involved uh they ran the ball once with michael james and uh threw three passes i didn't really like the um the rollout where you you're pretty much just uh you, you're 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 utilizing one third of the field when you roll your quarterback out and you, you're shrinking the field and uh Obviously, you know everybody saw the last play. Uh, it could have been pass interference. Uh, as a, in my opinion, a, a good no call. And um, so, so what are your thoughts on that last drive?
1: You know, um, on the last four plays, especially not to use not to use Frank Gore it is it's almost like asinine to me. You know, you got the leading rusher in the history of your franchise, and he doesn't touch the ball on the last four plays of the Super Bowl. Now, and, and another thing, when we look at Kaepernick, he has a, a, a rifle on. I mean, he really has a rifle. What he doesn't have, to me, is a lot of touch with air up under. And when you throw that fade in the corner route, you got to have some touch with air up under. Even if the ball, even if the receiver had never been touched, I'm not so sure he would have caught that ball in bounds, and, and I guess that's my concern. Because I, I look at I look at um at um at, at Jim Harbaugh as as an offensive genius. You know, I look at him as like he's one of those guys with with the mad scientist offense. You know what I mean? Just never know what you're gonna get from him. That's why he's playing this this Kaepernick at quarterback because he's such a runner. And I just thought he was gonna come out with something, maybe not so trickery, but. Maybe a little bit sort of like the, the Frank Gore play the last time when they was in, on the goal line, when they, they rushed one way, handed it to the Frank, and he came back the other way for a touchdown. Now, that kind of counteraction, I think I was looking for something like that. I, I just didn't see them. The, the series they ran didn't like it at all, man.
2: I I didn't either. I would have uh, really liked to see them in the pistol formation, a little bit of that zone read. They've had a lot of success uh, all day with it, and uh, Frank Gore obviously was a big part of it. And uh, I I would have liked to see them try to get Kaepernick on the edge and run the ball. Uh, It looked like right before the the timeout, they had a design run call, but... uh, They didn't go back to it. Hey, guys, you're listening to the Sports Info UM on the Voice America Network. We'll be right back after the break to continue talking about one of the best Super Bowls in a long time.
3: of Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports.
0: Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info U.M. with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoun3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: And welcome back to Sports Info you, UM. You know, Sam, uh, most of my life I always thought about the greatest linebackers of all time. Lawrence Taylor's name always came to mind. And when me and my dad had this conversation, it was always J- Dick Buckers. Dick Buckus, and I didn't really know who Dick Buckus was until I saw him on television on some highlights, and he was a mean SOB. But I'm going to tell you something, man. This guy Ray Lewis has taken it to another level with his leadership, with his play, with his, with his just sideline to sideline tackling, with his ability to hit as hard as any linebacker in the history of the game. Man, Ray Lewis has been a phenomenal player, and, I, and, I, and, and I'm happy to say, he represents the University of Miami very well. And I'm sure his son is going to do the same thing.
2: Hey, man, I, I, when you're talking about uh, the greats, uh, you, you definitely have to mention Ray Lewis. Uh, it's been 12 long years since he was uh, last in the Super Bowl. Uh, he was the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, he, he's had an outstanding career. And, uh, you know, you, you salute Ray Lewis. Uh, he uh, is it, very rare that a superstar gets to go out on his own terms uh, and, and, and ride off into the night with the championship man, with the second Vince Lombardi trophy. Uh, he's, he's been an outstanding player, uh, he he's had a, a little controversy in his life but uh he overcame that he gives praise and glory to God man it is just uh it, t- to be honest it's awesome just watching him and the transform transformation that he's made in his life since he dealt since he dealt with that adversity and uh you know it- It's great, man. I played linebacker, and I tell you, man, that's the one position that I always watch, and I really watch it and just see what those guys are doing. I kind of look at them differently. I see how they're taking on blocks and just – how they're shed blocks, how they're getting to the ball, how they're leading. And Ray Lewis has been a leader of men for a very long time. And, uh, he's, he's had an outstanding career. To me, he's a first ballot hall of famer. Uh, and it was just great to see him go out last night. Now, uh, I, I will say this, the 49ers, they did pick on Ray because, uh, Ray is not the same Ray that he was in his youth, but, uh, Ray, uh, Ray Ray's playing more now with brains and knowledge of the game and uh he's in position to make plays man and uh it, it's just great to see him go out and win and uh you know he said it wasn't about him it's about uh Air Reed uh Ray Rice Terrell Suggs uh Joe Flacco it's, it's about the guys on the team that uh that that didn't that didn't get to experience that, that journey 12 years ago. So, uh, you know, congratulations to Ray Lewis and whatever he does in the future, I'm sure he's going to be lead men and, uh, setting a good example.
1: Oh, for sure, man. And, you know, I heard Joe Flacco say that, um, as much as they wanted to win that game for Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis wanted to win it for them even more, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's a, uh, a tribute to Ray, man. He, he, he has a lot of high praise from a lot of people around that organization, man. And um, you know, and we, when we speak of Ed Reed, you know, Ed Reed is going to take on a lot of that leadership role that um, that Ray is leaving behind. Is Ed, go, is Ed Reed going to be there next year? You know, he he has a free agent. He's a free agent at the end, of, and he's a free agent now. And we've heard him speak of playing for Belichick and um, maybe even um, having an opportunity. He'd love to play for Belichick. I think that'd
2: be a match made in heaven, man. But, uh, I, I just think it's going to be hard, uh, in my mind, to picture Air Reed in another uniform besides the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, man, you talk, a lot of guys talk about Ray Lewis, man. But, uh, i tell you what, man, Air Reed has been just as good, at, if not better, uh, playing his position uh for a long time man and uh to, in my mind that's another guy that's going to be a hall of fame guy he he is just Transform how you play the safety position, man. The guy can uh, beat you multiple ways. Uh, He's been a tremendous, tremendous player in this league for a long time, and uh, I I, I think that'll be borderline just unfair if he went to New England and played with the Patriots. But uh, you know, going back to Ray Lewis, man, you uh, you you think about uh, Michael Phelps and all the great things that he has accomplished as an Olympic uh, swimmer, a champion, and. uh, uh, just to hear him glow and talk about Ray Lewis and what Ray Lewis has meant to him, man. It's just, you know, you know, that's big time when you got the the most decorated Olympian of all time just just singing your praises, man, and saying that he wouldn't have came back if it wasn't for Ray Lewis. Just another testament to show you the the type of leader that uh, Ray Lewis is. Now,
1: that's for sure, you know. And man, you know, I'll never forget. Um Randy Shannon, who was the defense coordinator at University of Miami, had coached Ray Lewis at University of Miami. He told me, he said, man, if you ever get to um, Baltimore, look up Ray Lewis and just let him know who you are. You're associated with the University of Miami. He's going to take care of you, man. He's going to get you some tickets for the game. He's going to get you whatever you need. And he was not the only person that has been associated with the University of Miami and no Ray Lewis that has told me that about Ray Lewis. I've never heard anybody say anything negative about the guy, and we hold him at high, high praise at the University of Miami. He's one of the greatest Canes ever, man. How could you not? He's in the same category as uh, Vinny Tessaverde and Michael Irvin. <sighs>
2: that, that, that's a that's an elite <laughs> class to be in, man. That's an elite class to be in. But, hey, man, yesterday, uh, well, well, Saturday, we welcomed uh, – uh, a new uh, group of guys to the to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, Jonathan Ogden, Warren Sapp, Chris Carter, uh, Larry Allen, uh, Coach Bill Parcells, Curly Cope, and uh, Dave Robinson, man. So what are your thoughts on those guys, and uh, what are your thoughts on some of the guys who, who didn't make it in?
1: You know, um, I think the people that got in deserve to be in. You know, I think Coach Parcell... If if he had left football earlier, he would have been in the Hall of Fame by now. <laughs> and, and trust me when I say that, it was really a pleasure for me to see Chris Carter get into the Hall of Fame, man. You know, um, Chris Carter was a, a great receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles and a super receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, and he truly deserves it. Hey, man, I was a little surprised Warren Sapp got in, and I love Sapp. You know, Sapp is from the University of Miami, but I thought maybe – um. Maybe it was a little too quick, but when you look at the body of work that Sap did, man, Sap was a dominator. Sapp for a long was, time Sapp, in the Sapp NFL, was, man. Sapp was
2: the it defensive tackle. Yeah, and, and if you really want to be honest with yourself, man, he really just transformed the way you you play that position, man. And uh, to to have close to a hundred sacks from a tackle position, that's almost unheard of. You know, normally the guys that get all the sacks are the defensive end. Sack was Sapp was the uh, the most dominant defensive tackle in football for a good eight to ten year stretch uh he uh really helped transform that tampa bay franchise uh, i i really think that the committee got it right on this one you know you take all the stuff out outside of football and you watch that away if you look at his body and work on the football field he he is definitely deserving of being a first ballot hall of famer and uh you know speaking of chris carter man it's just uh it was very humbling that humbling to see him speak and, uh, he wasn't angry. He was thankful. Uh, the man was crying. He was so happy. And, and, you know, to me, that's what it's all about. Sometimes this process can weigh on guys and they become angry and resentful towards the committee. But, uh, he had nothing but good things to say about the committee. And, uh, to me, that's what it's all about. Uh, you know, you know, one of the guys that I'm just really excited to see going to the hall is Larry Allen. Uh, much like Warren Sapp, this was the, one of the most dominant guys on the offensive line he could play any position on the line and uh wherever he lined up at you better have eaten your Wheaties because he was uh he was gonna he was in beast mode man he was a a great offensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys much of that time with the Dallas Cowboys and uh just Jonathan Ogden man when you think about left tackles man he he was kind of the guy that set the standard and uh I I really like this class man I, I think it's a great class and uh some of the guys who didn't get in, Michael Strahan. You know, he was a guy that that could have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. But uh, you know, I, I'm sure Michael's going to get in. He uh, and, and he 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 feels that way also. You know, he's not angry. He just said, "Hey, you know, eventually, I think it's something that'll happen." And uh, you know, Tim Brown, man, I think he really hurt his chances when he came out and said some of the things he said about Callahan.
1: I really think he did too. And and I guess what I meant when I was saying I was a little surprised with SAP, it was it was the off the field things, you know. That's what kind of I thought would maybe hold him up a little bit, and maybe Strahan might get in before him. But um, but but at the same time, man, Warren Sapp has still (coughs) been a part of the NFL with the NFL Network. I mean, he's done a good job with them too. Um, but you know when we start talking about these these defensive linemen from the University of Miami, you know Cortez Kennedy went into the NFL Hall of Fame. I think it was just last year, and now here it is. Um, we have Sapp entering the NFL Hall of Fame, and I'm almost sure in 2016 Edwin James is going to be up. He's going to be up, and uh, it's a possibility that um, that he could he could be sliding into the NFL Hall of Fame himself, man. And we know Ed Reed and, and uh, Ray Lewis someday will be. In the NFL Hall of Fame. I'll well,
2: tell you what, man. If I'm going to root for any of those guys, I'm going to root for Edrin James. He's a former teammate of mine in Indianapolis. Great guy. Uh, I think if you look at his body of work, he definitely has a Hall of Fame uh, uh, resume. Uh, I don't know if he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but to me, I definitely see him as a guy that's going to one day uh, be in Canada. Uh, he had a great run, man, uh, for, for running backs. And, you know, with the shelf life of running backs, it's not as long, but uh, Edron was one of the best in the business for a long time. Man, so if I'm rooting for any of those guys, I'm re I'm rooting for you, EJ. But uh, <laughs> hey, man, next year, uh, you know, Tony Dungy's up, Marvin Harrison's up, uh, a couple other guys. Man, I, I really feel good about uh, Coach Dungy uh, next year going in, and you know, I think it was big that Parcells got in this year. I don't know if the committee would have uh, selected two coaches. And uh, at one time, um, Marvin Harrison, he's going to definitely be a guy. I feel he's a he's a, a future Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And uh, you're going to you're going to have guys uh, that that wide receiver position is going it, to it's going to become stacked, man. So some of those guys are going to be eliminating each other. Uh, I'm sure they were happy, like guys like uh, Andre Reed and uh, Tim Brown was happy to see Chris Carter go in because now that's one more guy that's out of their way.
1: Yeah, and, and I and I really think uh, Tim Brown will eventually get in. Uh, but let's talk about the ones that did get in. This guy Larry Allen, man, you're talking about a beast, an animal, redefined the offensive line. He played guard, tackle. Didn't matter where he played at, man, and, and, and just just hammered people.
2: Dominant. I mean, when you, you, you're you, talking you, about dominate, dominate, you talk Larry Allen. Yeah.
1: I'm telling you, Munoz kind of dominating people, man. This guy just... You, you could see people just taking a ride on his shoulders downfield, eight, nine, ten yards downfield. It was embarrassing to see some of these professionals get um, get just swept downfield with that guy, especially when he was in his prime, man. Yeah. Hey, mean, guys, you're listening to
2: Sports Info UM on the Voice of America Network. When we return, we're going to continue to talk about the 2013 Hall of Fame class, and we're going to talk a little college football recruit.
3: 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You may not know all their names,
2: but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we
3: can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is
2: proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit nflalumni.org.
3: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and move on. I I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports.
0: tuned in to sports info um with daryl and sam call us today at 888-346-9144 that's 888-346-9144 or send us an email at sports info um 3793 at gmail.com now back to the show and
1: welcome back to sports info um Hey Sam, you know, let's continue to talk about this Hall of Fame a little bit. You know, we talked about Larry Allen being such a dominant player, but you think about Bill Parcell and what he did for the NFL, man. You know, he really he he, he did a lot for the NFL.
2: Man, uh, Coach Parcells, in my mind, he's, he's, he's just a great football coach. Everybody know what he did for the Giants, but, uh, I, I really think that, uh, he, he's the one man that's responsible for sparking the New England Patriots franchise. You know, when you think, think about, the, right. when you think about the New England Patriots, you know, you didn't really think much of them besides, the, their old school uniforms. And, uh, when Parcells got there, he kind of changed the mindset of that whole franchise and, uh, you know, Coach uh, – and then uh, Bob Kraft has also done a great job of uh, just building on uh, what, what Parcells left behind. And, uh, you know, when he left New England, he went to the Jets. And, uh, you know, the Jets wasn't re- really much to brag about. And uh, what did he do there? He uh, convinced Curtis Martin to sign with them. put a um, – poison pill in the contract got curtis martin and the, and the rest is history turned the jets around uh he went to the cowboys he he helped them win he went to the dolphins he helped got them on the right track i mean the, the guy's just he, he's the fixer man if you need your franchise fixed, call call parcells man put him in an advisory role and uh, he'll get you on the right track uh he, he's just and he's an outstanding motivator uh talent evaluator and uh he's in his rightful place, man. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame.
1: (laughs) You know, one of of Parcell's famous um, comments was, if you want me to do the cooking i gotta do shopping,
2: shopping man. i don't know. blame parcells man you know he's also one of the few guys man that 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 didn't mind playing a guy that was undrafted uh he was gonna put the best he was gonna put the best ingredients in the in the recipe man so if if you were an undrafted free agent if you were to, if you were gonna make the the cake taste better he was gonna put you in there man so uh you know you gotta tip your hat to guys like him uh belichick's another guy that's like that man uh
1: and when we look at, when we look at, um, Bill Parcell, we look at some of the, not this, um, some of the extensions of Bill Parcell. Bill Belichick is one of his extensions. Um, uh, the, the, coach for the New York Giants, uh, Tom Coughlin, he's one of his extensions. These guys, Romeo Crennel, he's one of his extensions. All of these guys coach up under Parcell at one point in their, in their careers. And, and it's uh, a whole lot more.
2: It's just a testament to the type of guy that he is, man. Uh, Maroon, that's in Buffalo now. He's a he's a Parcells guy. Sean Payton. Sean man. Payton. The list just goes on and on, and uh, you know, hey, man, it, Coach Parcells is a great coach. He's in the he he is where he belongs, man. Uh, What what are your thoughts on Jonathan Ogden, man? He was a dominant left tackle for a lot of years with the Ravens. Uh, He was in that 96 draft with uh, Ray Lewis. And uh, you're talking about your first two picks becoming Hall of Famers, man. Uh, Ozzie Newsom, he hit a grand slam with those two picks.
1: And he's still there working. (laughs) You know, but uh, Jonathan Ogden, man, is, you know, I wouldn't give him the same dominance that, that I give Larry Allen because he just didn't have the bulk that Larry Allen had. But Jonathan Ogden was an awesome—I mean, awesome. He was more, lineman, he was more finesse, and way and his feet—he was such a—he was so light on his feet, man, and could get downfield and, and pull. Just he, he did so many things so well, man. And hey, I, he deserves it. He truly deserves it, and he has a Super Bowl on his belt too. Yeah, he does, man. Yeah. Uh, you got three first ballot guys, man. You got Arden, you got Sapp, and you got Allen. So, uh,
2: And uh, we also like the uh, Curly uh, Cope and uh, Dave Robinson. They're senior class members, man. So uh, congratulations to those guys also. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful class. I can't wait to see their speeches, man. You know, that's one of the highlights of the offseason, the Hall of Fame game, when the guys give their ceremony speech. Uh, it just gives me chills, man, just thinking about it. So uh like to welcome those guys to the Hall of Fame. Uh, congratulations and uh those the guys who missed out man, you guys are just close just be patient uh continue to pray and uh if it's meant to be it's gonna happen hey Daryl man Wednesday's national signing day uh you know Alabama just won a national championship uh and and after after winning the championship normally uh rec- recruiting just uh takes off uh I think currently right now, according to rivals, Alabama sits at number three in the recruiting rankings. Florida right now has the number one class. Notre Dame has the number two class. Uh, What are some of your um, thoughts? Uh, What advice would you give to some of these young men who are about to sign? Uh, You know, a lot of times you hear about uh, kids uh being verbally committed to a program or a program pulling a kid's scholarship, kids decommit. you know, a lot of stuff changed after the end of a college football season. Uh, Sometimes coaches are fired and and hired at uh, other positions and uh, they don't honor the scholarships. Uh, what, what advice would you give a young man that's uh, thinking about picking a university and spending the next four or five years of his life?
1: Well, you know, man, I, I really think we really have to be humble and honored. And I, what I really mean is, um, be accepted. You know what I mean? And a lot of these guys, they want to pick and choose where they go to college. Some kids are not so fortunate to pick and choose. Some kids have to take what's there. You know, and and, and if South Carolina's there, and or University of North Carolina's there, and University of Florida drop you from the big Big Ten board. You have to be able to take maybe um, North Carolina, so be accepted, man. And um, and 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 you know, it's a lot of kids right now thinking they're going to Alabama, thinking they're going to Texas, they thinking Florida's going to sign them, Ohio State, and none of those teams are going to take them. You know, it, it, it's so sad for a kid to have it in his mind. A week before signing day that he's going somewhere, in reality, that's not where he's going. And he has to make his mind up to go somewhere. So, man, I'd really tell these kids to be humble, man. Really, be humble. And and, And uh,
2: some of these classes, some of these schools, they do a day-over sign and uh they 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 oversign their classes, so if they got seventeen scholarships, they might sign twenty five kids with the idea that some's gonna gray shirt, some won't qualify uh you know what's your thoughts on that man that's a, this is really a practice that's uh that the SEC takes full advantage of
1: you know I don't see a problem if they can keep the kids around, but when you have to send a kid to another school or I don't have a problem if you're sending a kid to a JUCO, as long as a kid knows that you're going gonna to honor him coming back to your program in two years. Now, if you go to the JUCO and you don't do so well, they're not going to honor you coming back in two years. They're not bringing you back to a, to, to the University of Florida or, or University of Ohio, Ohio State if you didn't do well at the JUCO. You know, so I I think I don't think it's fair for people to play games with these kids, man. You playing games with an eighteen year old or seventeen year old? It's just not fair.
2: Definitely not fair. Uh, you know, uh, my my advice to any young uh, young man that's out there looking for a university, uh, find a university where you're going to fit in at. Find someone, find somewhere that fits your skill set. You can't really worry about uh, your buddy. Uh, you you have to make a a choice based off of what's best for you at the end of the day. Uh, I'll give you an example. If you're a spread if you're a quarterback, if you're a drop back quarterback, uh, it, it wouldn't be wise for you to pick a school that, uh, that runs the spread zone read type of, of system, find a system that's going to give you the best chance to be successful. And, uh, that, that that's going to be best for you. Uh, as far as all of the, um, commitments, uh, decommitments and, uh, and, and all of that stuff, you know, to me, uh, once you make a decision, you should honor, you should be, you should honor that decision. Uh, you know, th- this is not a game. A lot of, uh, kids like the attention. Uh, I think a lot of the, uh, attention is definitely, uh, media driven, uh, with the media want them to make a decision on, uh, TV. Uh, all of this stuff drives up, uh, ratings. But at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for you and your family.
1: And you know that's why I don't have a problem with a kid decommitting. If you if if all of a sudden you change your mind, you wake up the next day and say, "Hey, I'm going to UCLA." You know, I had I had a vision last night in a dream. I don't want to go to Ohio State. I want to go to UCLA. And UCLA wants me. I don't see anything wrong with a kid changing his mind. Nothing at all. Because because guess what? If if you if you stub your toe on the field and do something out of line or you walk or coach walkers that walk up behind you and you talking to a friend, and this so happen, you cussing about that coach, you might be gone from the program in the next two weeks. So, I don't have a problem with a kid changing his mind about anything.
2: Yeah, I, I really feel uh, that uh, college football uh, needs an early. Uh early signing period like basketball because, uh, I, I think a lot of universities lose a lot of good players, uh, throughout the recruiting process because it's such a long process. And, uh, a, a lot of this stuff, especially with social media and, uh, you know, a kid can fall in love with you for, for six months, and then the last month or two somebody swoops in and and, and steals away your date. And uh, I'm sure the coaches would be happy if there was a um, an early signing period because then that way uh, they wouldn't have to spend so much time recruiting these kids. Man, there's a lot of time and energy going to the recruiting process. You have to be very patient. It's a... Uh, what have you done for me lately, type of business, and uh you know these kids they, they want you to um to contact them, to call them, to shout them out, you know, whenever possible, and uh if you're not Facebook, Facebooking them or following them on Twitter, uh, the next coach is, and uh you know you can lose out on a big time recruit that way.
1: Sam, you and I both know that being recruited is probably one of the best times of your life. You probably had some of the best meals you've ever had up to that point in your life the day you started getting recruited. When Alabama and Texas and I, and and Florida State and Florida and all those teams, they don't they don't take you to uh Wendy's for dinner. They it's take it four, five star man dining. Dining, You understand man. what I'm saying? So now when you tell a kid, Oh, you early commit, go come over here and early commit in your junior year, you mean I can't go to the finest five star restaurants in the city of Cleveland or or LA or Miami or New York or I can't go to those restaurants now. Oh that's, no, no, that, you can't do that why, anymore. That's
2: why you have to be open and honest and and say, but, Hey coach, I'm taking my visits. Hey guys, you're listening to Sports Info. UM on the Voice America network. Unfortunately time has ran out on us. We'll be back next week with another exciting show. Hey it's always good
1: guys. Peace.